Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another episode of the Trojan Blast, talking USC recruiting, doing a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It's called the Trojan Blast. We've been doing it the last few weeks, where we bring in Gerard Martinez, our national recruiting analyst for uscfootball.com, and answer all of your questions about USC recruiting, and you guys have a lot of them, so we appreciate you sending them all in. We're going to try to get to each and every one of them tonight. So what does that mean, Gerard? Probably rapid fire night. How you doing, man? What's up? I'm doing good. I'm just laughing at your uh, Santa Claus intro. Is that for the holidays there? Hello, oh. <laughs> Trojan fans. People like that. They, they, they send me tweets, if you want to tweet me, by the way. Inside Troy, all one word, on Twitter. But, yeah, people say they like that. I get tweets about that. They like the hello, Trojan fans, to start with. I guess so. I guess everybody's got to have a little bit of a, a hook, a handle, a go-to phrase. And, you know, boom goes the dynamite was taken, so you went with, hello, Trojan fans. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know where that came from. I have to go back and look at all the uh, – you can look on peristylepodcast.com and get all of our past episodes. There's an episode, that every single one of our 198 episodes plus, I don't know how many Trojan blasts we've done, but so we've definitely done over 200 total episodes. Uh, but a couple of weeks we'll have our actual 200th official episode, so that should be a fun. We'll have some party or something, but you can look back. <laughs> we're going to have a party. Yeah, so we, we got to look back and uh, check party out. Dan Weber's house. Yeah, we, i got to check out when's the first time I ever did that Hello Trojan fan thing. I don't know, but people seem to like it. I don't have the greatest voice in the world, but, you know, we try. We do what we can, Gerard. Yep, it's called being socially awkward. <laughs> no, I'm not socially awkward. You, on the other hand... <laughs> Who are not even my Facebook friend are socially awkward. I'm just not social networking. People want you to be on Twitter so bad. They talk about it all the time. So yeah, so everyone, I don't know, I can't really people always tweet me like, why doesn't Gerard have a Twitter? Why doesn't Gerard have a Twitter? I'm like, I I don't know. Dan Dan Weber actually has one, he just doesn't ever, <laughs> ever tweet. Gerard refuses to have one, so I kinda of have to carry the torch for the whole site. Dan can tweet for me. I I said that Claire could tweet for me, so you know. Bug her about stuff like that. <laughs> Let Claire do it? Okay. Uh, she's Claire underscore Atkins if you want to follow Claire. Uh, well, let's do some rapid-fire questions. What do you think, Gerard? I think that's what we should do. I yeah. think it's cold outside, and uh, the only way we're going to get through this is if we have a hot, rapid-fire recruiting session, period, slash, go-to blast. Yeah, go. and I know there's a lot of questions that are longish, and they try to get you to <laughs> So yeah, don't fall into the trap. It can't be one-way thing, man. It's got to be a two-way street. Do not it's fall into the trap. And answer. Long questions. That's what happens. So, uh, it's funny. We do get some questions like, "Tell me about the class of 2014." Every guy you know about is like, "Okay, that's kind of." A... <laughs> we do like. What are, what are the chances of us getting? Yeah. yeah, Gerard doesn't like the chances questions. Or, okay, stuff like that. So, try to be specific in your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com. It helps out, and try not to to write a whole page of questions. I've, I've done that before. It takes me a while to kind of narrow those pages down to something I can read. I tried, I think I tried reading a little too much last week. It's like, okay, just if I got like three paragraphs of a question, I got to cut that down. So, uh, all right, well, let's see. We have clay. He's up first, Gerard. 
And he's like, first, it's not even a recruiting thing. Do you think Barkley got snubbed uh, because he got snubbed for the Heisman, uh, the trip to New York? Do you think it'll be any motivation for, for him to come back? And I do think there's a little bit out there for him to, to want to come back. I thought, he, you know, I voted for him. Uh, you know, he was in my top three. He wasn't in a lot of other people's top three, but I think he came in. I think he was probably number six. Um, they only brought the top five, which is rare. They don't always bring five. They hardly ever do. So they, they brought five this year. There's a lot of different candidates, but I think it's going to be some sort of motivation, um, but not too much more of I got invited versus didn't win. I think if he wants to come back, it'll be to win a Heisman, not to go to New York. Contrasting Ryan's answer, I will go with a rapid-fire answer and say not really. Not really. Okay. Uh, not so really. I, like I don't that. think so. I mean, I think him going there and not getting selected could probably have as much pull and influence on him wanting to return and winning it as opposed to not even being there at all. I think you can kind of argue both ways, like, hey, just going through you know, the ceremony itself and, and the feel of it and going to New York and getting a taste of what it's like might you know lure him into, hey, man, I really want to be there and I want to win it next year, as opposed to not even knowing what it's like at all to go to New York and be a part of the facilities. So uh, you could kind of argue either way. So I'd say not really. Okay. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, it's going to be tough to, if he comes back, to get 39 touchdowns and seven picks. That's tough. I mean, that's better than Leinart did. That's better than Carson Palmer did. It's a different era and stuff right now, but still, that's tough. So that, if he even comes back, it's going to be a hard time to, to top his numbers from this year. But we will see. Uh, and then Clay wanted to know, how did last weekend's uh, weekend go for all the official visitors that showed up? Very well. Uh, you had uh, Chad Wheeler, who's already committed to USC, 6'6", 265-pound offensive tackle from Santa Monica, early enrollee. Uh, went well for him. He's still committed. He's going to take an official visit to Cal next week. And Cal has been on him for quite a while. Cal actually offered him a scholarship and was trying to uh, persuade him away from Arizona State when he was committed to Arizona State earlier in the year, even before USC offered a scholarship. So Cal's been working on him for a while. He's going to go up there and visit Cal. He may take another visit after that visit. So we'll see how things kind of go for him. I, I wouldn't say that uh, he's a solid commitment. I would say that he's committed and he's still kind of keeping the door open, but he's doesn't have a whole lot of time because he's going to be an early enrollee and he's got to sign those papers by December 21st. Also had Scott Starr, 6'3", 225-pound linebacker from Norco, four-star. He also was on his official visit this weekend. He's done with the process. He's not taking any more visits. Going to USC this weekend pretty much ended the process for him, kind of cemented things in his mind as to why he committed to USC. Uh, had a really good time, brought his family down. And, uh, you know, he really had just questions of and the scheme, obviously, with Ace Pillard and Dion Bailey both being Richard freshman and outside linebacker, he kind of wanted to know where he could come in and contribute and felt like, you know, the coaching staff conveyed uh, their thoughts and kind of their plan for him well enough that he was pretty excited about it. He's another early enrollee, so he will be signing December 21st and enrolling at USC in January. Uh, the one guy that was uncommitted that made it down this past weekend was Gerald Bowman, uh, the six foot one, 195-pound uh, safety four-star from Pierce Junior College. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that's really come downing. He, right now he's come down to Oklahoma and USC. It, 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 you know, it, and his story is really, you know, to make it rapid fire, um, it's really about playing time and contributing next year. And, and there was a lot of talk of T.J. McDonald and kind of where T.J. McDonald 
kind of fit in with leaving early. Um, you know, that would obviously open up a spot immediately for uh, Gerald Bowman to be able to come in and start at safety. Uh, USC did a really good job of selling him on USC, regardless of what happens with TJ McDonald. I mean, obviously, TJ leaving opens up a spot. Don't really have to talk much about that. That kind of speaks for itself. But even if he comes back, uh, Lane Kiffin and the coaching staff did a really excellent job. And, and I say this because, you know, just listening to Gerald kind of explain it to me, you, you can tell just in terms of detail how he kind of regurgitated that information and how much he kind of absorbed talking to the coaches and, and how much he bought into, you know, being able to come back and learn from TJ McDonald, being able to come back play uh, with T.J. McDonald side-by-side, side. Um, USC coaching staff saying, you know, if T.J. comes back, he could end up playing a lot of nickel. There could be some three safety um, packages in there because they want to be able to showcase T.J. even more, uh, not just playing that safety position, but playing other positions and kind of playing up near the line of scrimmage because, you know, for his draft stock, that's going to be very important. He's a big guy, and you look at the NFL right now, and what's in vogue are small safeties. So you get a guy you know can play around the line of scrimmage and can do some different things, it's going to add value to his draft stock because he's more versatile. So he did really a good job of, of I think, selling that. Uh, he was also very curious as to see what the situation was going to be with Sammy Knight. You know, was he going to be brought on full-time, or, you know, is he going to be a grad assistant and, and possibly maybe leaving in the short term? Uh, Gerald Bowman's really got a good relationship with Sammy Knight, so he was kind of, uh, uh, you know, pushing to see if he would, be there as long as you know Gerald would be there uh, in the near future. So still kind of seems like Oklahoma, USC. I think USC did nothing but help themselves. He's going to visit Miami this weekend, see if Miami gets in the mix. Uh, but right now I, I kind of get the feel USC's in the lead, but Oklahoma's there. And these in-home visits are still coming for him. So that's going to be kind of another part of this. You know, Oklahoma, they didn't really spend a lot of time uh, coaching-wise with Gerald on his official visit, it was more kind of a game visit and, and, and you know, seeing the atmosphere of, of Norman and, and kind of getting a feel for the football program where USC was much more one-on-one relationships, people, um, academics, and, and kind of a little more of the student part of the student athlete. So uh, kind of different avenues those two schools took and kind of trying to talk to him and recruit him. So, you know, official visits are done for him with those two schools. Now he's got the in-home visits that he's going to have to go through, and he is also an early enrollee, so he's going to be signing here pretty soon. So, um, you know, everything's kind of coming pretty quick for him. So we'll see, you know, what happens here. He's going to be making his decision in the next few weeks. He says he's probably going to take all the time he can to make that decision. Okay. Uh, thanks for those, Clay. Let's see. Not exactly rapid fire, Gerard, but we'll, we'll, we'll make up for it in this one. We have a couple of scholarship math questions, which are always fun because we are kind of uh, – we do our best with these. Uh, but Seven. Ron Green wanted to know – Four. <laughs> with the limitations and scholarships this year, does the early enrollees that enter school early count towards the 15 scholarships? No, they count towards the 2011 class, and that's why it's so important to be able to bring in some early enrollees. Just as with last year, they were bringing in 30, they really wanted to bring in 30-plus uh, signees last year, uh, many of those actually counting towards the class before the 2010 class, which was really, you know, I think it ended up being, what, 14, 15 guys that signed in that class. So they were able to carry over 
all those rides uh, against the 2010 class and bringing those guys in 2011. Well, now you have a few, five guys that didn't sign uh, for the 2011 class, so you're able to bring those over and carry them over to the 2012 class. So they, they all count towards 2011, but you're signing them in 2012. You get five. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's actually said five to six. So, you know, be able to kind of bolster those numbers and stay right at that 75. You want to bring in as many guys as possible. Now, the total number, you know, we've talked about this time and time again, the 75, you know, how how they get to 75 and whether they really need 20 in this class uh, to get to 75, that's a whole other can of worms that, you know, we're kind of playing it by ear and trying to figure out, you know, where all the room comes from. Because, I mean, really – if you if you really do the math, it, it you can't really bring in 25 or 20 guys in this class, five early rollies and 15 for the 2012 class. Uh, in addition, without some guys leaving the roster that are on the roster right now, that you know we're not really certain of, of whether they're coming or going. So that, that's the part that gets tricky. But um, as far as you know, class goes, uh, they can bring in 20. Uh, it's just matters, you know, can they bring in 20 and still be under that 75 limit? Uh, High Desert Bro 23, kind of similar questions, but he felt that it's better to sign 12 this year. You can bring in your five mid-years, but only sign 12 because uh, after 2000, the, well, we did a whole scholarship math uh, chart, and you can go look at that. If you go to scholarship distributions on uscfootball.com, click on more up at the top right, and you can see our scholarship distribution. But just looking forward, um, he felt that you could, after the – for the class of 2013, he could you could only get up to about 72 scholarships. He's worried about after this first year, are you going to be able to get back up and stay above 75 scholarships? Yeah, I mean, the strategy of it is hard in detail to 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 critique because I don't know the rules uh, in terms of how you can carry over scholarships and and I, I mean I've been told this past week. Uh, we were talking about uh, transfers, and people were asking us, uh, you know, how do transfers count against um, the, the, scholar, the scholarship limit? Is it the total scholarship limit that it counts against? Does it count against a certain class, depending on when you get that transfer? From what I've been told uh, from a few coaching sources is that it just counts towards your total limit. So it counts uh, against your 75 limit in USC's case instead of uh, a 15 limit or 20 limit or what have you, uh, class per class. So you know, that's something to keep in mind. There's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of stuff going on. I know I say it all the time, but I kind of just say when it comes to this aspect of the program, uh, trust in Lane Kiffin because he is one of those guys that's very smart and he's always been very good at kind of seeing all the angles, knowing the loopholes, knowing, you know, how much they can really get out of each class and a roster totally. So I just – can't foresee them screwing something up and bringing too many guys in, you know, in this class, and then all of a sudden it hurts them down the line and they're not able to get the most out of that 75. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Like I said, it's hard to kind of um, project, and it's hard to see what they're doing right now. I mean, just this past week, you know, they've, they've given a few scholarships out to running backs and, and receivers, and they've got some receivers coming in and uh, taking some official visits. And you think to yourself, why in the world do they need any more receivers? I mean, that's the one position that they don't seem to need more guys at, but they 
get, you know, constantly, it seems like every couple of days there's a new receiver that's saying, hey, yeah, I want to go visit USC, and I'm, I'm going to check out USC and this and that. And so, um, you know, I, it, it, it all depends on that 75. I, I think worrying about the 15 and the 20 and the 12 and, the, you know, how many you're getting class per class, I, I, I just I think – I know it, it, it all, you know, ends up accumulating and ends up, you know, affecting that 75, but it seems like – the coaches really do know more than anybody about the situation and about what they can do and what they can't do. And so it's hard to start getting into the debate as to, oh, they should have taken less guys this year so they could take more guys next year. And, I, you know, we just don't know. No, it's tough. And if you look at our scholarship distribution chart, there's 13 seniors, 19 juniors, 12 sophomores, and 36 freshmen on there. Uh, you know, a couple of juniors are likely leaving early. I, I think the problem is if you lose 15 starting next year so if, if if 16 juniors leave you can only replace 15 of them but there are little loopholes here there's some guys who are going to leave early uh robbie boyer is not going to be on that list he's not coming back he's a junior so he'll be gone um i mean there's a few things like that and like you said their transfers wouldn't count towards 15 so if you needed one more to get up to the 75 limit you could get a transfer um so there's definitely some options there um we don't want to go over that you know, too much we've been talking about this stuff a lot and it, it's confusing and we're doing our best, and I think we cover it better than anybody, but there's still a lot of kind of question marks out there. He had one other thing, Gerard. Uh, he knows Scott Starr's early. Bowman could come in early. What about Wilson? Would he come in early? Devontae Wilson will also be an early enrollee. He was actually signed as a 2011 recruit, but did not enroll as a 2011 recruit, ended up gray-shirting. So he will count towards the 2000. Uh, 11 class, but will come in in 2012. So uh, that is another early enrollee. So you've got Chad Wheeler, you've got uh, Scott Starr, uh, and you've got um, uh, Devontae Wilson. Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, they've got a few guys, and like we said earlier, you know, Lane says they're trying to take five to six guys. Um, again, you know, that's like, okay, that's cool. We see that. We, we see where they have room to do that. It's more of where do you have room to do that and then still be under 20, uh, 75 as, as a total limit. Right. Uh, okay, we have a couple questions. JD in DC and Christian from Denmark. We love the international questions. Both want to know about Lars is back from Denmark. It's Christian from uh, from Denmark, but they yeah, want to know. Lars was called, was uh, he, he? I say Lars because it's the only person I know from Denmark. But okay. I think we had another question from Denmark last week. Yeah. Uh, well, they want to know about Kenny Bigelow. Well, they want to know about Kenny Bigelow. <laughs> uh, how good is this kid, Kenny Bigelow? Okay, there you go. That's a little more rapid fire for me. Thank you, Ryan. Being a little more focused with your questions. Um, Kenny Bigelow is awesome. Uh, for those who have seen him, I uh, got a call from Mike Farrell actually when he committed. And uh, I'll plead ignorance here. I'm not up on my 2013 Delaware commits uh, and Delaware prospects yet. But uh, I've been informed by those people that have seen him in person that he is a quote-unquote beast and he is likely to be a five-star next year. In fact, he's already been invited to the Army All-American game, so that tells you how good he is because he's a junior, and most of those guys, there's only a handful of guys that get that early of offer from the Army All-American people. So he is the real deal. And um, to back all that up, as was reported in the war room this past week, we were actually down doing our live show at Downey High School uh, at Allen Lane Stadium. If you guys didn't check that out, shame on you. Uh, we were there with Jabari Ruffin and talking to him a little bit, and uh, off camera he uh, mentioned that uh, he ran into uh, Kenny Bigelow and, and didn't know who he was, just knew he was this big kid. And he's like, 
man, this is big dude with dreads, and he had like a 40 jersey on. I go, yeah, that was Kenny Bigelow. He said, man, that kid's bigger than me. I said, he's a junior? I said, yeah, he's only a junior. Man, that kid's a beast. So that, you know, the whole beast thing, that's kind of a, 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 a kind of a theme with Kenny Bigelow. Uh, he's excited about USC, the teammate of David Sills. Um, maybe that will go along with kind of keeping him committed. It's a long ways away for uh, a guy from out of state, especially from Delaware that's only been to California once without his mother, uh, to be committed and stay committed. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I, I've already kind of been on record saying that I don't want to talk to David Sills until he gets into about his sophomore, junior year of high school, just right. because I think it's too early. I did talk to Kenny Bigelow uh, because he is a junior, going to be a senior, but it's about as much time anyways as far as, you know, talking about how he's going to take him back to USC. And, I mean, it's we're a long ways away from that. I mean, there are guys that we could talk about this year in January that may be committed and we're going to be talking about them like, well, maybe this guy ends up at USC. <laughs> so that's, that's the recruiting process, unfortunately. It seems more and more every year uh, that uh, things just become so hard to really project who's going where. Uh, kids have a hard time saying no to people. Okay. Uh, next up in our semi-rapid fire, uh, is USC going after Joey O'Connor now that he decommitted from Penn State? That's from Pat. Yes, they have contacted him. I don't believe he has a scholarship offer yet, but they have contacted him. Uh, he's looking at USC. Um, no visit set up as of yet, but uh, they are, I guess you could say, actively recruiting him. Okay. Uh, any chance Josh Shaw enrolls at USC mid-year? That's from Chuck Smith in Newport Beach. Beautiful Newport Beach. There's a chance. Um, he has to gauge USC's interest, and that won't happen until he's actually left Florida. Uh, he's still at Florida. He won't be... I think home in, until about a week from now. Um, he says it, uh, it's going to be a little bit before Christmas before he's actually home. So he's finishing up his semester at Florida, and then uh, he's going to look over his options. Definitely would like to look at USC. He wants to be close to home, um, but you know he has to see where USC is with that too. Okay, uh, there's a couple of guys. Is SC recruiting Shaq Thompson and DJ Foster for defense? And hasn't poor play from Cal and ASU helped in their recruiting, respectively? Fight on from Rick. They were recruiting Shaq Thompson sort of as an athlete. I think they liked him a lot as a safety, but there was some talk early in his recruitment that he could play running back. They're still trying for a visit. Uh, it's actually coming down to Utah and USC, which is kind of makes you scratch your head. I mean, if you're at this point in time after the season that USC's had and you're battling Shaq Thompson, a five-star recruit from Sacramento, between Utah and USC, you kind of think, eh, something's not right there. So uh, the vibe is that he's going to Cal, and he was always going to Cal. And, uh, you know, this, there's probably some people telling him not to visit USC because they may be an actual uh, threat to Cal uh, to, to maybe steal him away at the last minute. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But right now, it's, it's the last official visit is between Utah and USC. Uh, DJ Foster recruiting as an athlete, but really most of the conversation they've had lately has to be on offense. He really doesn't want to play defense. He didn't say that publicly. Uh, he doesn't say that he has a preference for which position he plays in college. But he really does. Um, he's a guy that scored, geez, I think he scored 40-something touchdowns, had 3,000 yards rushing. Uh, I wrote a story on him just the other day, and uh, his just statistics are just ridiculous. Kind of reminds me of Adam Hall, though, a few years back, a guy that ended up at Arizona who was a safety, also played receiver. Uh, he had some ridiculous stats on Arizona high school football, too. So uh, you know, I'm not really sure what the competition level is like. Uh, but obviously, you know, still a dynamic player. But 
he wants to play uh, offense, and, and he is definitely impacted by USC season, and more so than anything, I think Arizona State's coaching change. I think that's going to be the thing that has really kind of opened up his recruitment again. Uh, he, he liked Oregon, and it seemed like it was between Arizona State and Oregon, but the fact that he's now reopened everything and he's going to take an official visit to USC in January tells me that he was really just going to go to Arizona State, and now that's kind of been pulled, you know, the rug has been pulled underneath him uh, from, from that whole thing with, you know, Erickson getting fired and having a relationship with that coaching staff that I don't know if he was really set on really seriously looking at Oregon. Uh, we'll have to see who they hire at Arizona State. I got a feeling it's going to be June Jones. kind of said that uh, a couple of weeks ago or earlier last week, I think it was, uh, was hearing some things that June Jones was actually really interested in that job, and they were listening. So, uh, Kevin, someone was another guy that got talked about, but it seems like I don't, I don't know if it was just that game that they had against Southern Miss. But he's all of a sudden gone from being like one of the hottest coaches in America to being nah, just dead uh, Houston. So uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, USC's definitely recruiting him. They were in home uh, with him um, just uh, last week. And like I said, he's going to uh, officially visit USC in January. Okay, and that was Evan had a question on him too, so um, he was concerned. He said he didn't think that USC needed another scat back type of player. Yeah, they don't. Uh, I, and I still don't know where DJ Foster really sits in the grand scheme of things. Again, I'm, you're talking about receivers. He'd have to probably play receiver if he was to play offense at USC. And again, we're talking about, you know, 75 and, and 15 and 12 and, you know, hut, hut, hut. It's just like all these different numbers that get thrown out there and you start to look at the players that you're looking at to bring in. Uh, receivers just on a position where you bring in a guy that you're like, well, he's a pretty good athlete. Maybe he'd be a good receiver for us. You know, you're going you're gonna to have to be pretty set on that. And it seems like USC taking two receivers in this class would be more than enough. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And maybe, you know, maybe maybe it's all just a big April Fool's joke. They really have 80, 85 scholarships. And just We just don't know it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Chuck Smith, another Newport Beach question. Any chance Dane Chris transfers to USC mid, mid-year if Barkley leaves? The uh, former Notre Dame quarterback from... Uh, Sherman Oaks, Notre Dame. A possibility. I, I think it's slight right now. I, I, I think, you know, USC would have to really look at that and, and, you know, they'd have to evaluate him and look at his tape and what he did at the Notre Dame. Um, you know, Dane Chris was kind of sort of a dual threat quarterback a little bit coming out of high school. He was a pretty athletic guy and, while had a good arm, um, it, it really seemed like he liked Notre Dame. Uh, with Charlie Weiss, and, and then they kind of changed that offense a little bit on him. And it seemed like he would be able to be more successful in that offense, a little more of a spready type offense, and still wasn't able to win that job. So USC's kind of have to watch that, and, and I don't know if they're going to jump at the bit uh, necessarily to uh, have him come in. Uh, obviously, we talked about the quarterback position being one of those weird positions where if Matt Barkley does leave, you kind of go, okay, what the hell happens now? Because you got two redshirt freshmen and you got a redshirt sophomore. If one of those redshirt freshmen win the job, then the other two quarterbacks there could very probably transfer because you got one that's in the same class and then you got the other who's actually older. I mean, the only way you could think it maybe playing out chronologically would be if Scarkins ended up winning the job because he's the redshirt sophomore. Maybe the two redshirt freshmen stick around, saying, "Hey, you know, we can still can compete to to, to be the next in line." But I, and I just don't kind of see that playing out that way. So um, there could be a spot there, you know, for somebody to win the job. But, again, it's somebody coming in that um, that has to win the job, and you have to beat out, you know, 
Cody Kessler, Max Wittick, or Jesse Scroggins. And I think the emphasis being on Cody Wittick, or excuse me, Cody Wittick, there you go, uh, Cody Kessler or Max Wittick, you know, those two redshirt freshmen. And it's um, it's just tough because they're redshirt freshmen. And, and nobody that has any more, you know, has less eligibility than those two guys is going to want to play behind them. Okay. Uh, we have some parallel questions between... Uh, parallel Jeff, questions from a parallel universe? Yes, Jeff and Kurt. They both wanted to know about... Uh, Darius Hamilton, the defensive end from Don Bosco. Oh, that's awesome, because in a parallel universe, we would be talking about USC on the East Coast, and that's when they would have a shot at Darius Hamilton. So there you go. So no shot at Darius Hamilton. Not that I know of. Um, the St. John Bosco guys, uh, St. John Bosco, St. Don Bosco guys, see? Long coast, parallel universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the, they've talked a little bit about USC. Um, you know, Elijah Shoemate was another guy. I know Yuri Wright was talking about USC. But I just haven't really heard anything serious about any of those guys uh, thus far. You know, USC was recruiting Darius uh, Hamilton way back, and he eliminated them and really had not talked about them for many, many months. Um, so I, I just don't know if all of a sudden, you know, things have changed for him. Uh, I haven't really heard anything has changed from him. So um, I would say no, uh, not in this universe. Maybe in the parallel universe, bizarro USC recruiting land, but not in this one. Not in this one. Okay. Well, I think they were asking about this one. He didn't specify, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, Kurt wanted to also know about uh, Deshaun Rippey. Deshaun Rippey is a guy that likes USC and has kind of talked about USC. You know, he was actually basically going to go to Florida and uh, thought, you know, that was a done deal, had an offer from Florida. And Florida kind of backed off on him and said, you know, they kind of filled up at, at, at the numbers for, for linebacker and that kind of threw his plans, um, you know, all out of whack. And so he's kind of looked at USC again. Uh, he, he's going out, I think, to visit uh, Colorado. I think he just visited Colorado and um, has, you know, a couple other visits lined up, says he wants to visit USC, but listening, and, you know, I should probably call him because I actually know him from the Army All-American Combine. <laughs> we talked a little bit. Um, he he, he, he kind of talked like he hasn't had much personal uh, communication with any of the coaches. And it's kind of tough right now because, Really, Ted Gilmore is the only guy that really does anything on the East Coast as far as recruiting. And that's not necessarily his – it's not really his area. It wasn't his area with Nebraska. I don't know if it's been his area with any other school that he's coached at. So he's kind of new. You know, he's kind of just going out there and trying to find some guys that uh, just have kind of some peaked interest in USC, guys like uh, Briante Dunn and um, um, uh, Greg Garman, you know, these kind of these, these, these players uh, that are – these both guys are running backs from the Midwest that I think really kind of just reached out to USC. And it was like, okay, these guys are reaching out to us. Let's go check them out kind of thing. So that's kind of how that goes on the East Coast right now. They don't have like a Todd McNair or somebody who's from a specific region of the East Coast and kind of has connections there. And you kind of go, okay – there could be a pipeline there because of this, or there's, you know, kind of a reason there's a logic to it right now. It's kind of just, you know, hunt peck a little bit for recruits that might have some interest in taking an official visit. So, um, you know, Sean Rippey's kind of one of those guys. And to me right now, and it's just my vibe, I don't feel like USC's really on him real hard. So we'll see if he ends up taking that official visit. But uh, right now, it just kind of seems like USC's a school he's talking about because he'd like to take an official visit to USC. I don't necessarily know that USC's really all jazzed up about him. Okay. Uh, then Kurt and Jeff also were talking about Eric Armstead. Kurt said, has Eric Armstead eliminated USC? 
And Jeff said, did the meeting with Clay Helton up north help with Eric and actually uh, Shaq up north last week? To my knowledge, he's not eliminated USC. Uh, the visit did not hurt, uh, but I don't know that it really helped a whole lot. Um, we've said time and time again, this really comes down to Armand's future as much as it does Eric's future. You know, they're kind of connected at the hip, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens with Armando. Um, and with Shaq, we kind of talked about him a little bit. Uh, I, I, they're up there, you know, trying to get that visit again, trying to kind of secure that visit. Haven't heard anything from Shaq as to whether uh, he's going to for sure visit USC. You kind of think, man, Utah and USC, you kind of visit USC. But like I said, the fact that he's even hesitant that it's coming down to Utah and USC makes you wonder what kind of real shot USC has. And um, I just, you know, again, you're reading between the lines there. You've got to think uh, he's probably going to go to Cal, and that's why, you know, he's putting schools like Utah, and I'm surprised Hawaii doesn't end up on there. You know, maybe it's <laughs> between Utah, Hawaii, and USC, and you might as well just, you know, pick more random schools as far as, uh, uh, you know, the school you want to look at that, you know, you're going to choose from your college that you want to go to. And then Jeff had one other follow-up, and I think he must have watched our Jabari Ruffin TV show when you were talking about bands and stuff on there. And if you want to see it, it's on com. You can go down there. It's our latest episode up there, Jabari Ruffin. Um, he said, thanks a lot, Ryan. Please tell GM to check out the band called In Flames if he hasn't already. Do you know who that band is? Yes, I have. Not heavy enough for me, not fast enough for me, not technical enough for me. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right, uh, let's fire. move on. Sorry, Jeff. That wasn't a... <laughs> it's going to be super thrash. for. <laughs> I like my death metal rapid fire. Uh, okay, my name is Joseph. I've been a USC fan for eight years from New Jersey. My question is, will USC have a big weekend with a bunch of recruits on campus like last year? And if so, who do you think those might be? Thank you. Hello, Joseph. I'm Gerard. Uh, January 13th is the weekend that you're looking at. There's going to be the weekend where they have a majority of the USC commits. That's going to be the weekend that they come in, and you're going to have recruits like Anders Pete, uh, DJ Foster, and rumor around the water cooler is that Nelson Aguilar will come in that weekend too. So that sounds like it's going to be the big weekend. It could probably have a big weekend before that. Um, usually there's two weekends that are pretty significant uh, at the end of the season when they bring in a lot of recruits. So that's my feel right now uh, for this weekend. Don't hear anything really about any official visitors. i uh, been asking around guys that I thought might – actually be coming in this weekend, and thus far nobody's scheduled anything, so keep our ear around in that. But uh, otherwise, probably January 13th. I think that's the one you want to circle on the calendar. Okay. Uh, Lamar had some questions about defensive tackle Aziz Shittu and wide receiver uh, Doriel Green-Beckham. Um, are the Trojans, are they considering the Trojans? Um, are they considering USC highly? And if not, who are they leaning towards? And then how has Aziz looked in uh, workouts? And we got to see him at the the Nike camp. And Aziz should do really, I think he got the MVP of the, the L.A. Nike camp last year. He did. Um, and then he followed that up uh, with a not-so-great performance at the Rising Stars camp and then a not-so-great performance at the opening up in Oregon. So uh, USC's recruiting him. He They're in his top five. He's talking about taking an official visit. I would say that Cal... And Stafford are more of the schools that lead for him, though. That's probably, right now, looks like where he's going to end up. You will see. You know, things change with recruiting all the time. Um, and the second player was 
Ryan. Oh, the second player was Doriel Green Beckham. What, did you fall asleep on me there? No, I was. I... <laughs> Doriel Green Beckham uh, is, is a slim and none chance, really. Uh, he visited Texas and talked about Texas, uh, or his coach, I should say, speaking for him, uh, said that Texas was great except for the distance factor. So if it's too far to go to Texas, then it's too far to go to USC. I would agree with you there. Uh, let's see. Paul from your Belinda. This is actually kind of a scholarship question, and, and we talked about it a little bit uh, in the actual podcast uh, on Monday. But he said, what if Matt Barkley, Nick Perry, Matt Khalil, T.J. McDonald give up their scholarships and pay their own way for their senior year? Is there any NCAA regulation that precludes a student-athlete from being paid by a booster or anyone else, for that matter, once he or she becomes a professional. That's Paul and your Belinda. And uh, are we back in the parallel universe? <laughs> if if yeah. the if they get paid by a booster, then they're ineligible. But if so, um, the answer is no. Fire. You can't. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yes, but probably not. Even if if Matt Barkley wanted to give up his scholarship, he can't. So there's no. He can't play football and then say, oh, "I'm not on scholarship." I'm paying my own way, or I got an academic scholarship. You can't. It doesn't work that way. So the NCAA knows there's no tricks you can play where you pull guys off scholarship. And, and you know, they, he, if he's playing, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. He's on scholarship, so it's not. Yeah. So that, that. Sorry, Paul. I mean, everyone's trying to figure out different ways to like free up scholarships, but that's not one of them. If you're playing football now and you're on a scholarship, you want to keep playing football. You're on a scholarship. Trust me, Lane Kiffin's. Every waking hour at this point is all about how to get more scholarships out of next year. So, yeah. And he's the best at, that there is at it. So I just kind of have to just wait and see and know that it's probably however it works out is probably as efficiently and positively as it possibly can for USC. I just, you know, it, there, there's a lot of other coaches out there that you kind of fear and be, and as a USC fan, you sit back and go, I better make some suggestions on the podcast and hope that the coach hears them because I don't trust him. But with Lane Kiffin, you kind of just can sit back and go, all right, he's got it handled. Okay. Uh, let's see. We have another one. Always love the show. Never miss a podcast. I've only written in once before, but I have questions regarding the offensive line in 2012. We actually talked about this with Dan Weber a little bit, but we can refresh it uh, again you today. About the 2012 offensive line with Dan Weber? No, well, we talked about what the USC 2012 offensive line would look like. So assuming okay. he's saying, assuming Khalil goes pro, who would take over at left tackle? And we talked about, you know, could Kevin Graff move, Andre Walker? Maybe you can share your thoughts and stuff like that too. But um, he also wants to know if USC gets Zach Banner, does he come in and start at left tackle? Maybe Jordan Simmons or Mac Turek? Like, what do you think USC's options would be, Gerard? Either on the recruit side or or current team if Khalil leaves and they need to find a new left tackle. Well, it starts with the current roster just because spring ball. And most of those guys that you mentioned as recruits aren't early enrollees. So you have to do something for spring ball. And the first, you know, move is to definitely bring Kevin Graff over there, uh, Audrey Walker, anybody that you got on the roster is going to get a shot at that spot. And you really want to get a feel for what you have evaluation-wise of your offensive line before you start bringing in other recruits. Uh, when you get into fall camp, that's when you can kind of let the young guys get a shot at it. And I think they all get a shot at it. I think everybody that's capable um, to play in that position physically, uh, whether it be Jordan Simmons or Kyle Murphy or Andres Pete, Zach Banner, they're all going to get a shot at it. Where they end up projecting and where they, you know, maybe are better in the long run, we've talked about that with, with 
each recruit, you know, over the many months. Um, a guy like Jordan Simmons, you know, I've talked a lot about him being a guy that could probably push early on for that left tackle spot just because of his poise and some of the intangibles he brought to the table. But maybe, you know, kind of down the line, probably projects better at being an offensive guard. I think that's where he ends up playing his pro career at uh, rather than tackle. Um, a guy like Zach Banner, I think he could – get a look at left tackle, but I think he might end up being better right tackle. That's really the position he tends to play more uh, in a lot of the camps and the events that we've seen him play. Um, you know, Andres Pizza guy, I think he could make an you know, impact at that left tackle position. Um, you know, Kyle Murphy also. So, you know, you know, but I think in terms of the evaluation process and kind of trying to get a feel for, you know, what you have and what you don't have, it's got to start with the team that you have right now in spring, and then you go into the fall camp and you throw some of those new guys to the wolves. And they're going to do that. I mean, that's the way this coaching staff has been. They've been very aggressive with putting the freshmen in there early and getting that evaluation process underway and just seeing what these guys have. And uh, Nathan Gertler, who's the walk-on, he was a backup this year, and he played when Khalil got hurt. He went in and played, and uh, he did a good job. So, I mean, he could be. He ended be... up being second team, you know, in, in most of the practices that we saw and the scrimmages. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's, <laughs> there's no depth there uh, when, you know, you've got a, a walk-on as your second team guy. So, um, they, they'll, they'll pretty much trot everybody out there and say, all right, you know, it's your spot to lose, and, and they'll play it that way. Okay. Uh, Amir and Sherman Oaks had a couple questions. First one's about dark horses. Anyone, they're starting to heat up uh, towards USC. By, by that, he means guys like Dawson and Walker from last year that most people didn't give any chance of going to USC but got them in the 11th hour. Any guys like that are kind of heating up a little bit. Well, that's those kind of those sleeper you know, prospects. And, it, you know, not really because even though Walker and Dawson were guys that um, were kind of 11th hour signees, they were guys that USC recruited pretty early in the process. You know, Walker, they kind of got away from in September and October and cut towards the end of November and then early December, they started re-recruiting him. But they were really on him pretty early on in the summer and even, you know, into the spring of that year. And Dawson, they were on pretty early uh, throughout the whole recruiting process. So we don't really see a lot of those guys that are kind of floating around out there. I mean, you could make an argument for a guy like Tyreek McCord, who's kind of, you know, was, was, he came to USC unofficially, was at the Rising Stars camp. They've been recruiting him for a long time. At this point, kind of right now, really most of the talk is he's going to stay in the SEC. He's going to go to the other USC. He's going to go to South Carolina. You know, he likes Florida. He's going to stay close to home. Um, you know, that's a guy that could be kind of off the radar, and then maybe he takes an official visit to USC, and all of a sudden all these feelings and all these emotions about, oh, man, I really like USC, start to come about, and he's a guy that USC kind of closes on out of nowhere. Um, Nelson Aguilar would be, to, to some extent, that kind of guy, too. Um, obviously, he's going to be a big-time recruit that's going to take his visit probably late in the process, and USC's probably going to be in it late in the process. Most of the national media is not going to give USC a chance for Nelson Aguilar, um, but I think USC fans that, if you've been if you've been listening to the podcast, you've been reading the War Rooms, and you've been, you know, paying attention to USCfootball.com and yours truly, you know that they have a pretty good shot. And that, that, that really shouldn't be a, a huge shock if USC does something else in Aguilar. So there's a couple guys like that. You know, Noah Spence um, is a guy that they've been recruiting for a while. Uh, but, but 
you know, it's kind of hot and cold as to do they have a real shot, you know. I mean, now this Penn State thing happens, and all of a sudden now people are saying, oh, well, that maybe, you know, he doesn't have Penn State anymore. Now I start hearing he could end up in, in, in Maryland. Well, if you're going from Penn State to Maryland, then that's a guy that wants to stay close to home. So, you know, we'll see. comes out in his official visit to USC, and maybe, you know, some things happen, and all of a sudden he feels like, hey, you know what, distance isn't that big a deal. I really have a good opportunity to play here with Nick Perry moving on. You know, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and make a business decision. I'm going to go to USC and, and try to get that early playing time. So that, that happens. And, and with those positions where there's that obvious playing time available, that's where you become – you start to have wild cards kind of come out of nowhere a little more. You know, so uh, that's that I think is what you're going to have to kind of look out for. I don't necessarily see any guys that, you know, they offer real late in the process – um, right now, obviously, I think after kind of the Arnold American Bowl, that was where we started to see some movement just based on that game and the evaluation from that game. A guy like Anthony Saro, who USC had no contact with up until that point, all of a sudden offer him, get him on a visit the next weekend, bada boom, bada bing, he's committed. You know, that could still happen. But again, you know, we're going into these sanctions and, and you know, the latest college offers, and, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little got to be a little more focused, a little more narrowed into, you know, who they're looking at and what the numbers look at, you know, the, the days coming in uh, to signing day last year, you know, you had 35 rides or something like that. You knew that they could just keep offering guys and keep offering guys and they weren't going to run out of offers or, or spots. This year, it's got to be a little more focused. Amir, that was not a very good rapid-fire question. And he's got a second one, Gerard, that's also oh, not okay. rapid-fire. But I like his second question, too, but we'll have to try to rapid-fire a little bit more. Uh Give us a little insight on who, how the USC recruiting machine works, i.e., who are the clo- like who's the closer, who's the rah-rah guy, the logic straight-up guy, who's the emotional guy, etc., and do regions, areas, and coach recruiter, or is it mostly certain coaches pursuing certain positions? Well, that's a good question. Um, rah-rah guy, closer guy, Ed Ergeron, uh, I would put Kennedy Poa in that uh, category as well as being a closer. I think he does real well with the family and uh, has been around long enough that he can close. Uh, I think logic guy is Lane Kiffin. I think he's the guy's the numbers guy. I think he removes himself from the emotional aspects of recruiting. I think he does a really good job projecting who they're really getting and who they're not getting. Um, I think uh, Clay Helton is, is a good raw guy. I think he's a guy that's uh, got uh, great energy and enthusiasm, and you can see that when he talks about the players he has now, and I could see that, you know, being in the living room with recruits. I think he could be a guy that definitely excites people. I don't know if he's at level of being a, a closer yet. Um, I, I think, you know, sometimes that may take just a little more time, um, maybe a little urge on kind of rubbing off on him a little bit. Uh, Joe Barry, I think, is very tactical as well. I think if I was to describe him or label him, I'd say relentless. I mean, he's one of those guys that you could commit in, you know, February of your sophomore year, and he's going to continue to recruit you regardless. He does not care if you say you're going to UCLA or, or Stanford or wherever. He's going to continue to recruit you if he wants you. Um, I, I think the staff is full of really good recruiters, and it's a very dynamic staff. Uh, you know, I don't really have a feel for, you know, Ted Gilmore or, or really, uh, you know, James Craig necessarily. Um, but I, I think, you know, a guy that kind of gets overlooked because he's not necessarily 
really on the road a whole lot is John Baxter. And, and that's a guy that I think when you talk about official visits and you talk about the ultimate strategy, he brings something very unique to the, to the table with his academic game plan and really kind of giving uh, recruits and their families a very clear picture of what it's going to be like to be a student at that school and to be able to handle and balance academics with athletics. And I think that's very important. I think if that was one thing that you could criticize about the last staff under Pete Carroll was kind of the academic layout of, okay, this is what you're going to have to do. And this is the support you're going to have. I think that was kind of missing. I think it was murky. It was, that wasn't necessarily that wasn't there, but maybe it wasn't explained well enough. And, and that's very important. You, you know, I think certainty, and I've said this time and time again, certainty is a valuable tool to have as a coaching staff when you're dealing with a recruit. You want him to be certain and to feel comfortable with what his four years are going to be like and the more clear picture you can paint, the better. Okay, thanks for those, Amir. And that was a good answer, Gerard, too. Let's go back. Uh, Christian in Denmark had another question. We all answered as Kenny Bigelow won before. Lars also, is back for yes, more. from Denmark. We love the international questions. Thanks for sending those We love Metallica. Po- podcast at uscfootball.com. He said, uh, please bring back my two mats, by the way. He wanted that. But he said, with all the excitement, uh, excitement around the USC program right now, I can't help myself but looking forward to 2013 prospects. I was wondering if Gerard could talk a little bit about some of the top prospects of 2013. First, who are the most important guys for SC's class? Are there any particular strong positions like the 2012 offensive lineman? What are chances with some of the guys like Hayden Reddick, Kylie Fitz, uh, Michael Hutchins, Suau Cravens, and Johnny Johnson? Wow, that's a very... Another rapid-fire one, but it's international. (laughs) It's international. I cannot avoid the internationals. Does he even realize that I'm referring to him as Lars Ulrich? Let's get that out of the way first. Anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, some of the top players, I kind of mentioned really the top players that are there, you know, Sue Cravens, uh, Michael Hutchins. Um, you know, you saw a guy just last weekend that I would definitely put into that, uh, that, that list of early um, top USC scholarship projected players in Max Redfield. Uh, safety, 6'3", 190 pounds from uh, Mission Viejo. Uh, a guy that, uh, I mean, he's, I've, I've seen him play a couple times, and I'm really, really impressed with him. How did you like him just when you saw him in person against Santa Margarita? I thought he was great. Uh, he, I mean, he was on the field almost the entire time, uh, played safety, he was kind of the only safety back there. So he wasn't as much run support, but he did come up and make some, some good hits, and he made a nice uh, touchdown-saving tackle and played well on offense as well. Um, you know, so he, had to, he was playing a lot on both sides of the ball, return kicks. Um, so you got to see him out there quite a bit. Definitely athletic, definitely has speed. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure like, how big, big he is like, you know, as far as he's not like one of those bigger safeties. Uh, you know, he seems like more of a free safety right now, but he's only a junior there was a couple of plays where he did kind of get run over, but there was other plays where he made really good hits too. So, uh, but he was definitely an impressive kid. You could tell he's athletic. He was making one-handed catches during warmups like it was nothing, just like oh, yeah, whatever, nonchalant. So he's definitely got. He looks like he has that kind of it factor. So it'll be fun to kind of watch him through his senior year. Now, while Ryan was out watching Mr. Redfield, I was out watching Demoria Stringfield, a six-two. 195-pound receiver from Rancho Verde Mission, or excuse me, uh, Moreno Valley. And um, I think I would say that he is definitely USC material. In fact, I will go on record and say that he needs a scholarship yesterday. Uh, He is probably the best receiver that I've seen in the 2013 class. 
very dominant player. He's fast. He's big. Uh, good kid. Um, just extremely. I just dominant is the word that comes to mind. Uh, USC was actually looking to bring in uh, a kid from Fresno, uh, Deontay Greenberry, who's a receiver. There's a four-star receiver in the 2012 class. And uh, I thought to myself, why is USC even wasting their time with a guy like Deontay Greenberry, who's committed to Notre Dame, who's probably going to be all over the place with his recruitment here towards the end of uh, signing day, uh, when you've got a kid like uh, Demaria uh, Stringfellow. I mean, he's very, very good, probably faster, a little taller, um, still a junior, um, but I think uh, one of the best players, uh, maybe the best athlete that I've seen in the 2013 class thus far. Um, I think Sue Cravens, in terms of production, in terms of the overall uh, game that he brings, uh, right now looks like uh, maybe the best player, um, but I mean, in terms of just raw athletic ability, uh, Stringfellow takes the cake. I mean, he's really, really good, and, and like I said, I, I really like Redfield as well. Uh, there's a few players players out there. I think it's a very balanced class. I think you're going to have some good linemen. I think you're going to have uh, some good skilled players. I think it's it's going to be pretty balanced all kind of across the board, and you're going to be able to really recruit each position um, with the same amount of effort. I don't think you're going to see like a few years ago where there was just no offensive linemen, and you pretty much had to, you know, it was all about the skilled players and all about the running backs. Uh, I think this is just going to be a little more balanced class, and I think it's pretty good. You know, with USC having limited rides, um, you know, they're not going to have to, like, be forced to go out of state, I think, for one specific position. I think uh, that there, there should be, uh, I, I think, good players at every position. And it's early still. You know, we're still trying to get a feel for not only just the quality but the quantity, you know, trying to find those third and fourth guys. You know, that's when you know a position's really good. When you start to get in those, you know, fourth and fifth guys are at a Nike camp and they're in line and they're going – okay, this position stacked. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys at this position that can play. Uh, we haven't gotten that point yet, uh, but I think overall, I think it's a pretty good-looking class. What did, you know, in terms of chances what USC has, you know, I think with Hayden Reddick, they had a great chance of signing him. He blew his knee out. I think all of a sudden that kind of throws a wrench into any plans that USC had of, of going after him and, and, and offering him a scholarship at the end of the year because he was talking about you know, kind of having a scholarship and maybe committing um, early in his uh, in his this second semester of his junior year, I don't know if that necessarily happens anymore because I don't know where USC stands with bringing in a quarterback who's coming off an ACL. Um, so you know some of these guys, Michael Hutchins is talking really highly of USC, kind of a USC Cal thing. Obviously with Tosh Lapoy up at Cal, you know a De La Salle alum. You know, he's going to have some pull over Hutchins, but you know Hutchins has said time and time again, USC's a stream school. Same thing for Cravens. You know, Bill Cravens said USC's a stream school. USC's recruiting him as an athlete. There was some talk that we're only going to bring him in uh, as a as a, like a fullback hybrid, Stanley Havili. Uh, but I think he talked to the coaching staff, and they really haven't committed either way to whether they want to bring him in on offense or defense. Uh, and Stringfellow, like I said, that's a guy that could definitely have an offer. I don't think he's a guy that's going to commit right away. I think he's definitely going to play out the process. Same thing with Red. Field. I mean, I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he talked about, you know, looking at Oregon and really not doing what Jamel, Jaleel Penner and, uh, and Trey Madden did, which was commit to USC right on the spot. I think if he got an offer from USC, he's still probably going to wait and take his time. Okay, and then we'll go one last one from Kurt Gerard. He wants to know, would USC take another quarterback to go along with Kevon Seymour? And he says, knock on wood after that, because Kevon is not committed at this point. Possibility. I mean, they were talking about bringing in T. Shepard uh, along with uh, Deontay Greenberry this past weekend. I see logic in that, though, because T. Shepard, 
um, you know, four-star, committed to Notre Dame, um, you know, a, a very highly thought of cornerback, but he's an early enrollee, and I think that was really a big deal. Uh, but they've talked a little bit with guys like, you know, Tracy Howard, who's a five-star corner from Miami. Um, they've been talking with a few different recruits uh, that are other cornerbacks. So that's maybe a position, you know, you're talking about bringing in 20. There might be some room for another cornerback, you know, on the roster in terms of depth, bringing in another guy, uh, maybe with a little more hype uh, to go along with uh, Kevon Seymour. That wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, we're just going to have to kind of see how it plays out. Um, again, it, it's, it's, it's numbers. You know, if we, we knew for sure, you know, okay, yeah, they, you know, the 75 thing is, is, is there. They, they're going to have that much room. And you knew who wasn't going to be there on that current roster to make room uh, for the 20 that they're trying to bring in this year. Then you kind of have a better feel as, okay, yeah, they definitely need another corner. Um, you know, maybe a guy like, and I know I mentioned this, and I'm not trying to imply anything here, but Bryce Butler talked about transferring already. Um, I don't know what his current situation is, but that's a guy that you see on the roster right now, and you say, oh, oh Bryce Butler's coming back. That's that's a good receiver. I mean, that's a guy who made some catches this year for USC, uh, was a good player, uh, was probably, you know, kind of like the third guy. Uh, you know, Carswell didn't get a lot of catches. He was a little more of a, of a blocker for USC this year. So maybe he can step into that spot, and then you've got Marquise Lee, you've got Robert Woods, and you've got uh, Bryce Butler. And then when you've got Kyle Prater and then you're bringing in Darius Rogers, you're like, okay, that's cool. USC's good. But if Bryce Butler decides – Nah, I am going to transfer. I am going to go. Then, and then you start to say, okay, he could probably bring in another receiver. So that's when we talk about it's hard to project right now because there might be some guys on this roster that a might have medical issues, which would preclude them from coming back, or b they might just transfer and decide, you know, I, I want to go somewhere where I can play more. So that's kind of where we are right now uh, with trying to project those positions that you know are, are on the cusp. You know, they maybe maybe could use another guy, maybe not. There are some positions, like I said, receiver, where, you know, two seems like plenty. I mean, you start talking about three, I don't know if, unless there's a mass exodus of receivers on the roster, I don't know why they would bring in three. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. We got to three pages worth of questions. We do appreciate everyone sending in your questions. Thanks for that. And, uh, Gerard, thanks for answering them all. Great job. Wasn't We didn't quite do rapid fire, but not too bad. It wasn't too bad. Hey, I, I, you know, I can only work with what I'm given. Right, and we did have we do have a lot of very open ended questions that you need to have a long answer for. But hopefully, everyone enjoys it. I think uh, we've got some positive feedback on doing these Trojan blasts, and uh, you know, I think we'll keep we'll keep doing them for the foreseeable future, or at least you know, up till signing day or so. Lots of uh, lots of recruiting talk to get to. Yep, foreseeable future in our universe, not the parallel universe. No, not the parallel universe, but we'll do as much as we can. We do appreciate it, and it's it's great to know that you guys are, are writing in and uh, calling in and letting us know what you think. So it it makes it fun, and uh, you know, let your friends know if they're Trojan fans. Tell them to listen to the Parastyle Podcast, man. It's out there. It's everywhere. We love it. Gerard, you love it, don't you? I do love it. I do love it when people hear things are happening, and then they ask questions, and it's because you heard it from a story that we wrote on USCfootball.com <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right, Dre. Well, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, everyone, check it out. So we have the Peristyle Podcast. The Monday edition is up on the site right now on peristylepodcast.com. The Jabari Ruffin uh, interview, it's a great one. You should check that out on peristylepodcast.com as well. And we'll have all kinds of good stuff coming up this week. Another special guest looks like we're going to go on the uh, Ustream show. So check that out on uscfootball.com. Don't forget the War Room on Friday. And we'll be back with another podcast next week. Thanks for tuning in.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Thank you.